0: Hello and welcome back to Geek Warning. I'm Dave Rome, and yet again, James is off somewhere riding bikes. Mm. And so it's just myself
1: and Ronan. Ronan, yep. hello. Hello, Dave. How's it going? This kind of went, it kind of went all right last week. Well, I didn't hear any complaints. Perhaps you did. No complaints. I mean, maybe people just switched off within the
0: first five minutes and decided yeah. it wasn't worth the effort. But uh, perhaps are anyway, back. Highly, highly edited. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, we're back and uh, trying to keep things semi-professional. We've even got a run sheet of of things to talk about. There's some news in the bike industry yet again on the industry side, but also on the product side. We've got some new wheels. We've got uh, a cool little announcement from a loved bag company. We've got a funny saddle, which I think everyone knows exactly what that is. Uh, And then, yeah, we've got our usual on your mind and also a pick one. So uh, before we dive in, I just want to do a little ad read for ourselves. For those that aren't already a member, you can now join us either monthly or annually. And for those that just want to try out what's new, uh, we're currently offering a $1 sale for the first month. Uh, So not only do you receive full access to all Escape Collective content, you'll also have access to our exclusive podcasts and ad-free episodes. And those exclusive podcasts uh, include the new Ask a Wrench episode that we launched last week for Geek Warning, and there is plenty more Special episodes of Geek Warning Coming. It also includes Ronan's uh, Performance Process podcast, which is a few episodes in now and definitely worth checking out. So, to find out more, simply head to our join page, which is escapecollective.com forward slash join, select the monthly subscription option and enter the code podcast in all caps at the checkout, and that'll let you redeem the special offer. All right. And one other thing, uh, we've got a little corrections corner from our most recent Ask a Wrench episode. Uh, we spoke about uh, compression plugs and carbon fiber. Uh, this is something
1: only our members would would have heard. But I was going to uh, say, non-members should block their ears now because...
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you didn't get this. You got cut off way before mm. this came up. But we were talking about uh, compression plugs and carbon fiber, and we mentioned that the Cane Creek expander plug is one to avoid just to clarify we were specifically speaking about the cane creek ee nut which was a uh it's a now discontinued product which was one for the weight weenies it kind of worked a bit like a star nut but was designed for carbon fiber steerers. uh yeah i thought i'd just uh add a little correction that cane creek's new expander product uh the ancora is actually just quite fine perhaps not quite as long as the ones we were recommending but uh in every other way meets the, the demands of the sort of product we we're suggesting. So anyway, there you go. Uh, Ronan, should we talk about some news? Yeah. Let's get on with the show. I'm looking at the, the list. And first up are some new wheels from Princeton.
1: Yes. The, the new wake 6560s <laughs> dropped this week and they're said to be eight watts faster than the zip four, five, four NSW V two in the A21 tunnel. They've got a hooked, and holeless uh room design, so basically hmm. you've got your hooks there to keep your tyres in place and you've got no holes to cause you tubeless issues. It's a choose-your-own-adventure with tyres. More or less, yeah. Uh, they're, well, I, I maybe should have started with the fact that they're available in both disc and rim brake, which is oh. an, a, an extreme That's, oddity in yeah, this day and age. That is strange um, for a, a new wheel to be released in rim brake. Uh, well, they're lighter, stiffer, faster than the previous sixty-five, sixties, as you might expect. And I think most eye-catchingly, they're available in eight different color options with seven different hub options. How are they doing you, the color options? Is it just uh, stickers on the rim, or are you familiar with the sort of Princeton almost half a rim colorway option, where yeah, they they effectively paint like half the rim and whichever Mm. the 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 options are uh gloss and matte black and white chrome gold uh rose gold iva's Mm. yellow purple glossy blue wow the hub options you've got dt swiss 240s you've obviously got the tactic tr01s and 02s chris kings or 45d's uh dt's 180s depending on the hub option you go for they range in weight from 1570 grams which isn't all that impressive but with the tactic tr01 you're getting Mm. down to a claimed weight of 1365 grams which you know for the depth of these rims that is sort of to uh, confirm uh, the depth is 65 mil is it probably should have said from the start also it's the sort of wavy rim Mm -hmm. sinusoidal wave like undulating rim depth so it's whatever depth you want it to be dave Uh, (laughs) (laughs) depends where you measure from depends where you measure from exactly what's the the largest camel hump in the wheel
0: I don't think there was an exact... Like, is that like, where their naming comes from? Sixty-five, sixty. Uh, would that mean it, it
1: undulates between 60 to 65? That's my understanding of their sort of nomenclature, yeah. yes. Um, okay. I'm, I mean, like, in terms of the other um, dimensions, you've got a 21 internal and a 28.2 maximum external. And interestingly... Narrower
0: than I thought it would be, externally.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I actually sort of reached out to uh Princeton about that, uh, and specifically... About about the fact that they've mentioned in their press release surrounding these wheels that they are optimized for 25 mil tires on which professional cyclists currently race. And that was a quote, which I found a little strange given that, well, basically all those tires that I looked at the tour were like 28s or 30s. I I didn't see anybody on 25s. Now, granted, I did spot 25 millimeter tire Conte GP5000 STRs on uh, the front wheel of Princeton's Alta thirty five thirty two wheel set in the back of the Enios truck at the start of the Vuelta didn't see twenty five mm of the tour though, which uh, was sort of what I was thinking here. So I, I sort of reached out to Princeton just to confirm that that twenty five millimeter claim wasn't like a wasn't a typo or something, or, or where exactly I was coming from. The answer I got was that the new wheel is aerodynamically more efficient with twenty fives, but it's twenty eight point two max external width, so it will work pretty well with the twenty eight was the claim sort of interestingly they, they said that linked back to the decision to stick with hooked rims for the meantime and that you know you can go much much wider with hooked but you sort of this isn't from for instance this is my own understanding is that when you bulge out the rim like that inevitably for it to fit with a hooked design you have to like you know you have to bring that the rim where it meets the tire back in again uh, mm-hmm. and so if you looked at like a, a frontal profile you end up with sort of like a figure of eight profile almost um where the the tyre is bulging, it's coming in to meet the rim and then the rim is bulging out again. Princeton wanted a sort of a hook design while all the hookless nonsense is still continuing until, yeah, until they're more enough. confident than that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so they they stuck with the 28.2 external. Interesting. Yeah,
0: certainly an unexpected width. but uh, And then I guess pricing varies based on hub choice, but... <laughs>
1: uh Based on hub choice, but also based on the the color options are available. And uh, imagine gold is the most expensive. paint tier. So you have paint tier one, uh, which is sort of the entry level price, and that's matte black or matte white. paint tier two is glass gold, glass chrome, glass black, glass white, and then paint tier three is is the real gold, rose gold. Um. Oh, I was actually closer. Purple. <laughs> couple. Couple dollars. I think more interestingly about the price yes there is three pricing tiers yes there's a lot of choices yes it gets a little bit confusing but the pricing is like it's more reasonable than i was expecting mm. uh, a heck of a lot more reasonable i expect than i was expecting and that the dts was 240 hubs for example with paint tier one you're looking at 3450 us uh, for a wheel set with tactic tr01 top line hubs you're looking at 4100 us i mean mm-hmm. It's not cheap. I'm not saying it's cheap. You've but, been spending too long on lightweight wheels, right th- I think maybe I have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've maybe I've, I've maybe been conditioned uh, to pricing a little bit there. <laughs> but I was maybe expecting much more than that when I when I scrolled down. Yeah, um, uh, you you, like, you could pick up a set of these with for thirty one hundred or thirty one fifty US, which I'm going to get berated for that. But it's not sure. no comment. I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Princeton have like a single tri spoke or something that costs as much as that. So. yeah Yeah, that that's that's where i'm basing that on are you intrigued by these wheels are you going
0: to call in a pair for review are you dubious of any of the aerodynamic claims associated with these what's what's your opinion of them
1: i'm interested to try these i'm kind of i don't think i'm dubious of any of the aero claims i you know they're i didn't really even delve into the the claims here you know they're claiming a 3.8 watt saving over the previous version um 7.6 watts saving over Zip 454 NSWs uh 7.7 7 watts over Shimano C60s i mean sometimes you're almost inclined just to scroll past that because nobody's going mm. <laughs> to you know include yeah. our new wheels are slower than <laughs> you <Yeah>. know there <laughs> so um and at the same time you know it's not some absolutely bonkers claim so i, I i'm i'm more sort of intrigued to try these wheels, given that they have maintained the hooked rim, they've stuck with a an oversized but sort of regularly oversized rim external width than twenty eight point two millimeters. They're including external nipples, which you know it surely it would have been easy to go Scandered. internal there uh, and get some tiny small extra gain that would have had you and James bang your heads against the wall. Yeah. So for for those reasons, I'm sort of uh, yeah, I, I like a look of them. Um, okay, would would want to try them. Interesting.
0: All right. So maybe one for review. All right. Yeah. Next I mean, on we, the list. We,
1: were, we were asked if we want to review set. I said okay. we would be interested. Didn't really follow it up any further than that. Maybe this is one we should ask the audience. Do they want to see a review of this wheel set?
0: On that note, we always uh, post our podcast to our website, escapecollective.com. And more recently, we've been making those posts a bit more useful with a summary of what we discuss, with links off to where you can find more about the product. So say like the press release of the product, you'll find a link to that. Yeah. So jump into that post and you can leave a comment there. All right. Next on the list, uh, we got a funny saddle. Kaylee Fretz of our team wrote this and did a bit of a, a short history of funny saddles. But uh, the saddle spur. I think if you if you've been on Instagram recently and you follow any of the cycling meme accounts you've probably seen this already. Basically looks like a sex toy. But yeah, Ronan, uh thoughts on this? Any you're kind of the target market for this. I'm I'm
1: keen to get your thoughts. No, my my thoughts on this. I I don't think I am the target I don't think there is a target market. I'm convinced <laughs> this is a an April Fool's published joke. early or a, it's some sort of a scam or something to swindle loads of people who happen to fall into the cyclist and sex toy crossover markets out of hundreds of dollars because, well, £125 this saddle is. I mean, I'm going to get to the spur part or what I think is the spur part in a second. What I want to first mm-hmm. of all mention is just the fact that that tail aside, the rest mm. of the saddle looks nothing like a saddle. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's shaped like a saddle, but can't see any part of that saddle that looks like it's going to be good to, I mean, like you talk about Leg rub or yeah, uh, it looks like a that, chafy you know, one. Yeah, I mean, there's just no tapering there. There no. is tapering, obviously, but it's done no. very, very slowly. um it, Yeah, it's it, basically it, a it's triangle a, in along its length. The other thing that jumped out to me that I could well have been mentioned somewhere, I haven't paid the saddle all that much attention, but the the thing that jumped out to me that I hadn't heard mentioned so far is that the the main photo doing the rounds of the saddle features the saddle spur saddle mounted backwards on a seat post sort of indicates to me that perhaps they haven't done they haven't paid a heck of a lot of attention to maybe any aspect of the design of the saddle mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah what's your thoughts
0: uh i mean other than the look i mean you, you read their own website and you you kind of start to feel like maybe they themselves realize how ridiculous it looks um saddle spur is more than just a seat jump on but yeah i, I think it's very intentional there yeah uh i mean this this kind of concept has been done before where it's sort of like this the spur is there to, to provide you support that in theory lets you kind of push back against the saddle and recruit other muscles is is the the theory behind it to me having something that prevents you from getting off the back of the saddle um just tells me that whoever designed this probably isn't very good at descending <laughs> uh like le- legitimately like there's there's no way to be dynamic on a bike when you can't get behind the saddle like in an in an emergency you need to shift your weight back so you can you know really use that front brake and and you're not going to be able to do that with the saddle in in descents you you sort of move around uh you move the bike around underneath you a lot more than i guess some people realize and again this would inhibit that so yeah all the photos show kind of uh i'm gonna i'm gonna get some uh comments on this but somewhat kooky tri riders i guess in, using it but for me i i think yeah, as, as a proper road product it's i just don't see it being a super practical uh invention
1: i'm still yeah. not convinced it is an invention right i don't <laughs> see it being a very practical april fool's joke i mean it was, was there even a claimed weight uh was there was there any other mention of anything else that you want to know about a satellite the the width, the length, the, uh, I suppose, where would you even measure it from? Uh, mm. <laughs> for, for once, actually the height is an important aspect in
0: terms of this. Saddle. I don't want to be a gatekeeper here, but like the bike they've chosen to photograph it with is, you know, it's got full fenders on it. The quill stem doors from I'm guessing the night early nineties, maybe late eighties. So, oh no, it's got STI shifters. So it's, it's more late nineties, but it's, uh, it's you know on a very dated bike and it's not yeah you'd think if for their marketing material they'd go to some effort to show it on a modern bike but uh that's definitely not the case so anyway i think we've probably all given it everyone in media has probably given it more attention than it ever deserved so yeah let's just say it's not one we'll be reviewing and it's not one where we plan to talk about again so but speaking of things uh saddles also on the list uh they, you know, they started as a, a company making sort of plastic fenders that you slotted into your saddle rails and gave yourself a little bit of uh, spray protection when you get caught out in the rain. And, you know, it was a fender that didn't help anyone else if they were behind your wheel. They've got a new product, the the Win Wing 2. So it's uh, an update on their Win Wing, which is basically a, a seat stay mounted fender that sort of sits directly above your wheel and is designed to prevent, more effectively prevent spray without having a full length fender again probably not a huge help for someone directly sitting on your wheel but definitely uh an effective way to keep yourself clean and dry um but yeah the new model uh it's basically stiffer stronger than before now in proper black whereas before it was in gray uh, and there's now frame protector stickers uh supplied so you don't rub up the paint on your seat stays so yeah they've released a gravel version which fits uh, up to tires of 60 mil and uh, they got a road version coming, which is for tires up to thirty-five mil, which isn't quite out yet. Uh, but yeah, for twenty-six euro, it seems pretty good. Ronan, did you ever
1: use the last one, the the previous Win wing? Uh, not that, no. I've I've had a few of the original uh savers, not the the one wing. I'm all for it. I think uh, yeah, I would I would happily stick one of those on on my gravel bike on on any bike. But I am also the kind of person who just tends to go for full length mudguards. guards especially this time of year I think there's just so much value in terms of saving your own kit enjoying your own ride more and you know wet cold rides or group ride has a rule that you have to have mud guards from this time of year onwards I usually get a bit of a buy ball because it's sort of accepted that I may well have to be on a bike that's not mine but I also if it's a particularly wet day I especially try or I I just avoid going out with a group because I think in terms of just saving your kit that is the, the biggest value of these things and, you know, the, the new assay over there will actually save your, your back from quite a lot of the, the spray, yeah. keep your keep your rear end dry. And especially on gravel, that's usually all, all you really want. Like the spray off the front way, unless you go through like a water feature or something, isn't the same, quite the same as it is on the road. Yeah. What is your choice of full length fender when you're in a group? Well, right now, I'm trying to remember, I, I did do like a dedicated winter bike build couple of years back can't remember exactly which mod guards or fenders I put on that I mean I'm going to say SKS because that's usually where <laughs> you go <laughs> uh, but right now this year I'm on a Domani so I'm running mm. the Domani specific guards gotcha. and I've only had them out for a few spins so far but enjoying them quite a lot we're going to make turn this into a PSA of some sort accidentally but, but one of the most frustrating things about riding in a group at Winter is not the person without the mudguard because there may be different reasons why they have a mudguard. Uh, and you know quite often that person might try to sit at the back or whatever um, so they don't spray others if everybody else in the group has a mudguard. But the really annoying thing is someone who has a mudguard that isn't quite long enough uh, mm. because it just has the exact same effect as having no mudguard on your mm. rear tire <laughs> and you're still getting sprayed in the face. Uh, you're, otherwise, you know, you're otherwise dry and clean and that. But you get stuck behind this one person. You tend to be behind them for the whole day, and their mudguard isn't quite long enough. So you still end up kicked, and that's where the thing I usually look for mud mudguards is. Yes, how do they mount? You want you know uh, you know I obviously need a frame that will that take proper full length mudguard mounts, uh, and the the full setup there with mudguard mounts. If you go in that direction, there are options available through you know quick release skewers and through axles and uh, different uh, ways of mounting them to your frame. Like you said, with the frame protector on this one, you need to sort of be careful that you don't damage your frame if you're mounting them directly to the frame. But after all that, one of the features I look for on Mudguard is actually the, the tail of the Mudguard extends below the level of the rear wheel or the hub. I was going to say the rear wheel hub, but yeah, if you're doing this right, both your hubs should be at the same height. That's a feature I look for. Uh, and actually there's a company sort of semi-local to myself, Feathertail, Feathertail.cc. I think they only offer one product, but it's like an extender for uh mud guards Uh, it's Hmm. just like a little tail that goes on the end of your mud guard to make it long enough if it's not already long enough
0: interesting okay that's a good Mm
1: -hmm. tip yeah okay so below the axis of the the hub is what you're what you want that's typically uh, i find that if it's above the axis of the hub then you're you're gonna be spraying the person behind you you'll be dry but let's think of everybody else around us here (laughs)
0: Yeah, cool. So ass savers, uh, basically nothing in their product range achieves that. But yeah, ass savers is probably more uh, if you want to be selfish and just keep yourself dry. It's it's a good option. Mm. Uh, I mean, whereas, there's a lot of people yeah. just
1: a lot of groups just don't care about that at all. Uh, yeah. I would say once you've tried full length vendor and you've in the group that also has full length vendors, you'll never want to go back. But in the meantime, something like the ass saver is going to save your ass. So Sydney hasn't been the driest place in the last few years, but uh, I
0: somewhat ashamedly, uh, i'm a rookie when it comes to fenders my e-bike commuter had fenders i didn't like the look of them i took them off and that is the only set of fenders i own this is i used the,
1: to i used to have fenders for my mountain bike but i i don't anymore i think the aesthetic seems to be the biggest hurdle for most people uh, e-bike commuters i mean i cannot forgive you for the, that one like
0: <laughs> so mine mine was that anytime i'd go down a curb or or more than a curb um the tail of the front fender would hit the, the mm. edge of the curb let's say stairs because curb, a curb you can lift the front wheel off of but uh yeah for stairs the the fender would catch and that was terrifying and perhaps a sign that i shouldn't be riding stairs on on my community <laughs> bike but uh yes. uh yeah i think that's
1: mainly what led me to to get rid of them similar note i had uh, a land of the turn gsd uh, sort of cargo bike uh, recently one of our local bike shops the bike general was going off on holidays he has one of these bikes asked me if i wanted to lend of it to try it out while he's away i gladly accepted that uh loved the bike uh one of the things that the fender like comes like almost down to ground level uh on the front wheel and yeah caught a couple of times, scared the crap out of me but once again yeah. i knew what it was it was fine after that it was just sort of uh so i, I know where you're coming from on that one yeah um, but uh yeah. what i was gonna say was that uh, aesthetic seems to be one of the major hurdles and then you know people just think it's a race bike i can't put mudguards on it i was like um yeah i'm also uh, allergic to riding in the rain so there's that mm. I, i'm i'm obviously just a, a product of the group ride that i grew up on but uh, sure. that rule's really always been there and um, yep. but I'm, I'm glad that i've been brought up in that way <laughs>
0: good well yeah it sounds like uh the right way to do it if
1: you're if you are riding in the rain and yeah i mean uh, like you've yeah. you you talk about rain it's the like irish somewhere you've got warm rain. The rain here is very cold and can very quickly spoil at any raid. No, it
0: makes sense. No arguments for me. I'm just uh I'm just hmm. a newbie when it comes to it. All right. In the industry news, there's more bad news out of the UK it seems. Uh so yeah, closure of uh well, not closure, but uh a wiggle being in an, in an administration is suddenly some of the biggest news out of the UK in, in recent time and they they continually uh are looking for uh I guess a way out, someone to to buy the the brands, but uh, so also out of the UK uh, comes news from Excel Sport. So they're the parent company to brands like uh, Highbike, Ghost, uh, Lapierre is probably the one that most of our listeners would know about. Uh, they own Rally, they own, uh, yeah, XLC is their component company. But yeah, the, the news is that they uh, are basically going through, uh, in corporate speak, a, a restructure, a, a strategic alignment. More general speak, they're basically almost shuttering their their UK office in, in terms of Rally UK. The reports are that they've, they've let go of a huge amount, a huge percentage of the staff. Uh, yeah. and,
1: apparently 250 staff brought down to just 15. Uh, I'm not sure that's if those enormous. numbers have been confirmed yeah. or not, but that's what I'm hearing. That is
0: absolutely enormous and mm-hmm. uh yeah I mean they're they're claiming uh the word synergy appeared in uh, in the press release for this, but yeah it's it seems like they're closing the parts and accessories business in the uk they are shutting the the warehousing and going third party for that uh it doesn't bode well for their confidence in the uk market going forward i mean what do you what are your thoughts on this Renan?
1: uh yeah I mean the announced this news and the incredibly long winded sort of statement Um, Mm. and, and, you sort of knew from the get go of that statement that there, there wasn't good news coming. I mean, it's unfortunately, these sorts of announcements are no longer a surprise. We've had bad news today also from, you know, GCN plus, I'm I'm not sure what much else you can, you can add to that, really. it's just, uh, you know, obviously shocking timing for, for everybody, you know, the, the people involved here is, is usually where you, you go to, you know, it's just, unfortunately all too familiar for some of the members of Escape Collective. And yes. Almost a year to the date. So Yes. Yeah,
0: being acquired by a a big brand and uh yeah, it it not working out is uh yeah, very familiar and seems to be uh causing all sorts of havoc in the UK industry as as times are tougher at the moment. Anyway, thoughts I I feel like I say this every week in 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 our podcast at the moment, but yeah, thoughts go out to those that are are in the job market in this time and, uh, yeah, without the, the job they poured their heart and soul into. On happier note, Black Friday is near, but uh, Ortlieb, the, the bag company, uh, deciding not to participate in a traditional sense. Rowan, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, they, well, I think it was a few years ago, they said in response to the culture of rapid consumerism surrounding Black Friday, uh, mm. they were introducing their repair week uh, and that's happening again this year. I think it's kicked off already. It's going on until December 3rd, but basically during that time, Ardley is offering repairs to its bags at 40% off the usual price, which is uh, apparently already quite reasonable. Um, hmm. So for any Artly bag or product that's outside its five-year warranty period, uh, you can get it repaired for hmm. 40% off the usual price. Although, since that press release landed with us, we got further confirmation that actually for... UK customers they have the opportunity to get their orderly bags repaired free of charge. and um, You just pay the postage, but it's all to do with the way these the products are are made in the first place, and that they they are they are made with sort of repair uh, in mind, uh, mm. and they use you know parts that are that are on the the bags are replaceable, and the bags are just pretty durable as, as they are. Anyway, the like guy had one for my entire time. I had two sorry for my entire time uh, at Sustrans. I will say I sort of. Milk the uh, the idea that we should cycle for uh, for many as many of our commutes as possible um and with some of my schools up to like 50 or 60 miles from my house and i was commuting each way uh, with two artly bags on the back through irish winters uphill and down dale i mm. thoroughly tested these things by the time i handed them back they were showing no signs of wear and that was what two or three years later
0: yeah i think uh it's very cool to see and i think it, it sort of reinforces that where possible, I mean, do your research and support the brands that support their own products. Um, you know, support the brands that uh encourage you to repair and reuse rather than just replace. There's a number of brands out there, I mean, ortlieb aren't the only ones. Like apertura mm-hmm. is another one that comes to mind in in the the bikepacking bag space that, that have a similar sort of ethos and uh yes, these bags are more expensive up front, but I mean they're they're legitimately designed and supported to
1: ideally be the last bag you buy. So it's cool to see. I get a bit of stick for my love of Albion garments. Uh, oh yeah. Just because I, like, tend to wear them a bit more often than I should wear cycle clothing. i uh, mm-hmm. very rarely wear them on the bike. Johnny and uh, particularly like to, to poke fun at me. But yeah. that was actually one of the things it's that it, earned, but so yeah. initially attracted me to that brand was that, you know, they actually offer free repairs. believe in correct in saying that they just offer free repairs all the time. Um, And they have, like, a repair kit you can actually purchase and just do repairs at homes and that is, as well mm-hmm. um so yeah it's definitely something that's i try to keep front and center unfortunately it's not all that easy to do that with with most purchases but where possible yep. should we mm. talk about what's on our mind uh yes i've had something on my mind for months that i finally have the the confidence to offload what is it Renan? It's tear-offs. Okay. I'm not talking about like, like you all know I'm make Formula 1, I'm not talking about visor tear-offs, I'm not even talking about oh. could we make cycling glasses tear-offs, which I think is tried in the past.
0: tear uh, in downhill racing are absolutely hmm. a thing, and they even, hmm. uh, um, there's a few companies, they're not super popular, most of them just tear off by their hands, but there are um, electric tear-offs with like remote controls that you mount to the handlebar.
1: Oh man, that should be a downhiller yeah uh, <laughs> like, i know you should <laughs> but no what tariffs an, are you talking about it's an inside joke on an instagram message i sent you earlier <laughs> um i'm talking about uh, and this isn't very um given the topic we discussed immediately prior to this isn't the tariffs aren't the, the most environmentally friendly thing we could be discussing mm. immediately off the back of that yeah but nevertheless uh despite that poor timing i'm gonna go ahead and you, you remember at onbound this year you had that peanut butter that clogged up not actual peanut butter, but the the gravel yeah. turned mud that caused a huge number of DNFs. Yeah, yes, and destroyed bikes and all sorts. And even if it didn't destroy your bike, it destroyed your race. I'd been wondering since then if we used frame protectors, the kinds that you know you see ones from like Ride Wrap and Invisible Frame and that. If you had taken the time before that, uh, or you know, going forward in the next year's onbound to put a few layers of those frame protectors along the inside of your Chain stay, seat stay, have them overlapping. Have the the furthest end, you know, not stuck to the frame protector sticker immediately below it. And when you get kicked up in mud, you simply stop, remove your rear wheel, tear off one of the frame protector layers. Suddenly, you've got a bike with no mud. Put your rear wheel back in, and away you go. What do you do with the tear yeah. off? You should really put that in your pocket and take it with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can shake it, shake it clean. In sure. your pocket, take it with
0: you. Uh, so straight away, uh, have you used the the ride wrap frame
1: protectors? no i've used them fuzzy frames gotcha
0: they uh they're pretty sticky they they mm. kind of uh i don't know how you'd go about layering them in that sense but <laughs> i think like the idea like maybe cling wrap might might be another option but uh mm. yeah i don't think that exact product will work but the idea of a tariff could work in this sense mm. i will say that it makes sense i think carrying the offs
1: in your pockets are uh, probably gonna be a, a hindrance you you only have to get to the first aid station okay or the next aid station and then you can offload gotcha and then you it. can offer it resp- responsibly dispose of it mm. um have you considered uh
0: like the old trick in mountain bike is is um spray on uh cooking oil so you just coat the bike with a uh, basically pam which is like a teflon spray and then it's it's it creates like a, a non-stick surface to your bike more recently, in in the Olympic Games, we saw like Yolanda Neff, um, who won the mountain bike. Uh, she had sort of duct tape done in like this—I don't know, even know—a wavy, a wavy sense. So, as mud stuck, and as she went off, say a, a drop, the the duct tape would sort of shake off the mud. So, mm. I mean, maybe that could be an option as well. But it wouldn't stop. Yeah, I, I guess you're talking it about like work on the, of the rear of a, wheel, rear triangle. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and the pan would only be so effective. So.
1: Maybe there is real it's merit um, to the concept. It's a thought that crossed my mind almost immediately when the news started coming out of, of the, the problems that Unbounded earlier this year, and I, I sat on it for a long time because I thought, that's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, but I think it actually might. There might be some legs, and it's worth trying. I haven't really yeah. considered, you know, what strength of, of tape you would need or, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the various sort of issues that may arise from that. Uh, I can, you know, imagine you get, to the last layer of frame detector, not realize it's the last layer and yank on it too hard and take a whole layer of paint or something with it <laughs> <laughs> there's there's ways this could go wrong uh, i will admit that much yeah <laughs> i mean I'm people are also... already
0: taking paint off their frames by through the mud so i mean it's not mm. uh yeah you're mm. losing some anyway but uh yeah okay it's probably one to play with in some sense um mm. i think yeah I, I think there's there might be merit to that for at least yeah Keeping the rear end clean. The idea of Taros does, does remind me of something I once did. And right. please, please stop me if you've heard me say this before. I, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But uh, I once did a, a national single speed race. Uh, it was muddy. It was a wet day. And I thought it'd be very funny to have a, a fresh skin suit for every lap. So I started the race <laughs> with seven skin suits. It did take quite a while to get into them. Um... And But I didn't think it through because that's seven chamois. So yes. for the first few laps, I couldn't sit down because I couldn't reach the pedals. Uh, and then I, got, I can't remember exactly how many skin suits I had, but uh, it turned out not to be enough. And by then, the, the crowd had gotten used to me taking one off every lap. There were many things wrong with this. On the first lap, I, I watched the faster riders leave me in their dust as I had to take my shoes off to get one skin suit off. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there were, I was also overheating on this cold day. So, I mean, it didn't work out the way I had initially planned, but, uh, anyway, the I compromise was, was not to remove the last skin suit, but to, to fold it up into basically, uh, like a, into being almost as close as I could to a speedo was the compromise
1: I, <laughs> I came to. Um, yeah, that was, uh, an eventful race. We'll put it that way. I'm, I'm thinking those, uh, pit stops sort of compromised your, your finishing time
0: that and also that i was uh, a bit of a lightweight when it came to drinking and uh didn't <laughs> didn't consume beer and uh uh yeah decided that yeah those races tend to tend to allow you if you have uh an adult beverage you tend to take uh be allowed shortcuts in the track um. and i wanted those shortcuts and yeah so in in one of my final laps when i'd already run out of skin suits take off and i'd folded the skin suit into being a speedo i uh had had a little bit too much and went over the handlebars and got disorientated and (laughs) couldn't find my bike for five minutes. There I was just basically almost in the nude, standing in the trail, asking people if they'd seen my bike.
1: Oh, God. Uh, Shall we end this week's episode on that note? (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. It's a good one, Um, it's a good one. hmm. Going back to my uh, uh, tear-offs idea, think you will agree it's better than uh one of the suggestions that I had put to me which was to carry one of those portable pressure washer, battery operated pressure washers that exist now, or to have a full <laughs> scale pressure washer in the, the pit zone which Oh yeah. Well it's not really okay. a pit as it is like an AID station you can have power hoses, and you know, pressure yeah. washers. But I'm mostly just poking the bear here.
0: Yeah, I'd say rather than a pressure washer which uh even the smallest ones are pretty heavy a bit of water carried specifically for washing off your bike might be a way to go mm. i know i know a lot of the pros use paint sticks just to shove the mud mm. out of the way i mm. think that's the the proven technique but yeah the, i don't know the
1: f- final question mark i have in that was is it even possible to remove a wheel, rear wheel when it's that badly it can be pretty hard trail?
0: Mm. yeah mm. it can be pretty hard so um yeah if it's if it's the kind of mud that stops your wheel from turning um it's it's pretty nasty regardless of what you do you know even a pressure washer would take a while to to bake to break through that kind of mud so it's the the best answers there are normally like get a tire that sheds mud pretty rapidly and doesn't doesn't clog like get a a tread pattern that that is probably a little bit on the the lighter less grippy side and 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 get a frame with really ample tire clearance um around that tire and sort of hope for the best through that what's Uh, on your mind? Really just, uh, I was just keen to know what you've been testing. What's, what's coming up? Yeah. And that's basically all on my mind at the moment is all the things that are, are waiting for me to put
1: back in boxes <laughs> and get back and I need to write them up first. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm all too aware of that feeling at the moment. Uh, it's been difficult to get testing here at the moment or reviewing just given weather, you know, we had Halloween break and, and all sorts of dilemmas in the house. <laughs> it's, uh, I've, I've been mostly at the laptop and keyboard of late, mm-hmm. which is, uh, not easy, but in terms of what I'm actually working on writing up right now, still the Cannondale, um, mm-hmm. that's a work in progress, but it is the su- Super, Super 6, 6. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. And just trying to get the words out on that one. That's the, not the challenge at the moment, but that's what I'm, I'm working on at the moment, mostly, uh, Colnago V4 RS there. Um, uh, and then as you mentioned earlier, lightweight wheels, a few sets of wheel sets at the moment, actually had the craft racing works CS. 5060 wheel set arrived last week. That's the 1290 gram, 50 and 60 mil deep carbon wheel set from Craft Racing Works at $1,680 a set, putting that Princeton pricing that I was talking about earlier into perspective. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those just arrived, as did the Polymer Workshop, Venture and Enhance wheel sets. Um, I've never heard of that season. in my life. Okay. Uh, yeah, pretty. Pretty new brand. What's their story? Where are they from? They are Danish, um, okay. and they have just introduced a new. Uh, well, their enhance wheelset is like a fifty and fifty-two millimeter deep uh, road uh, wheelset, and their venture is a thirty-eight mil deep sort of all-road offering, tubeless. Obviously, uh, that goes of the thing almost these days. Interchangeable carbon spokes. Uh, really, really sort of wide. Profile rims off the top of my head. I think it's like 34 mil wow, externals. Okay. Hookless. The all-road wheel is a 38 mil deep rim coming in at 1,360 grams. The the deeper, sort of more road-specific uh, offering is 1,450 grams claimed weight. That's just what I was about to get to there. Haven't ridden any of these wheel sets yet. They're sort of lined up and waiting for, to get photographed before I gotcha. get them all dirty. But yep. yeah, like I, I just... Just as we're speaking there, I pulled up the sort of dimensions on the, the road-going version of Polymer Workshop wheels, uh, and it, it's kind of very much like the Roval Rapide sort of idea, in that they've gone mm-hmm. for a very wide, 35mm wide, 50mm deep front rim, uh, with a yep. slightly narrower 31, or 30.7mm 30. external, 52mm deep uh, rear rim, so not quite yeah. as deep, but that same sort of asymmetric design front rim. Sure.
0: And other brands have done that as well. Like uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: Robo went the first, but
0: yeah, they, they certainly uh, are an est- extreme example of it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting.
1: Okay, so next bike review from you is probably the Cannondale. Most definitely will be, yeah. Mm. Also has uh, a sort of interesting set of wheels in it, the new holograms. But yeah, anyway, enough, on, enough on my wheels. <laughs> what, what are you testing at the moment? I have Specialized wanting
0: the, uh Tarmac SL8 back, so I need to get that done uh mm-hmm. and i was trying to space out my specialized reviews a little bit because uh i think the not the last bike i reviewed as a polygon but before that was also a specialized mountain bike and i was kind of just trying to give them a little bit of breathing room but uh, uh that might not happen uh so yeah sl8 is that a slight hunt you're
1: just looking for more time with the sl8
0: uh yeah possibly but uh oh. no it's uh, i've got i've got enough riding on it but it's uh yeah, I guess, spoiler alert um, to all the, the Specialized haters, um, you're wrong. It's a great bike. There's that. I've got an entry-level Trek Domane AL with uh, an impressively bad group set on it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's Claris. Um, okay. my, my bigger issue is I just, mechanical disc brakes bother me, having 20 years' experience riding hydraulic disc brakes. Uh, especially modern mechanical disc brakes don't feel as good as old mechanical disc brakes do. Like I. You know, I, I had bikes with uh, Avid BB7s, for example, which is a very light action, very high power, very poor modulating uh, mechanical disc brake, which doesn't really get much uh, attention anymore from anyone that equips bikes. Uh, and by comparison, most, most brands equip uh, brakes from, say, Tektro or TRP, uh, often the, the dual piston, and, and I just find that brake very heavy in, the, in uh, lever force required to move both pistons of a mechanical brake. Um, So that's, that's kind of my, where I'm coming from with that. But yeah, it's, it's got the, the Tektro version of that brake on it. And uh, the other week I spent 45 minutes betting in those brakes before they even stopped me close to in a safe way. There's a lot to like in that frame set. um, But it's, it's unfortunately, it's not the, the level of build that I probably would have uh, preferred to test. So yeah i think if if i if i were given the the one model up from the one that i was given then it probably would be a different review uh but anyway well so i'm riding that it's it's kind of an interesting alloy bike that's in a road bike that can fit 40 mil tires which is quite cool and then uh got a few
1: tools for a change i didn't get the opportunity to ask you to start what your latest tool purchases were much like james would do on a weekly basis but i, I mm. did have a question on that for you because i'm not mm. sure if you've seen the news this week that. Uh, two astronauts dropped a tool bag with worth yes a hundred thousand dollars worth of tools mm-hmm. into space. I was just wondering, was that your tool bag that they dropped?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Is that your entire tool sure. collection?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, I I do lend my torque
0: wrenches to NASA from time to time. Uh, I'm hoping you know, there's there's a thing of like roadside finds where people find like the eight mil spanners or 10 mil sockets that mechanics accidentally leave in the cars when they service and then they rattle out and fall alongside the road uh i'm kind of hoping that this just falls out of orbit and becomes apparently it's gonna
1: disintegrate on re-entry into that makes perfect sense Mm. but one can still dream Um, clearly you wouldn't buy tools that would disintegrate on re-entry into earth's atmosphere you'd (laughs) no. <laughs> You'd be looking for higher quality. No.
0: Yeah. Dare I say the torque wrench will be out of calibration by the time it does hit the earth. So, yeah. But uh, one can dream. And, uh, yeah. So, that's that's kind of what's keeping me busy is uh, a few test products and uh, still staring down the the barrel of, uh, of an article about brake bed in and then another article about disc brake pad change. That's uh, a very, very deep dives. And uh, I'm going cross-eyed looking at them. So, yeah. Uh, so, those might might come um yeah I, I just need to climb back out of that one
1: not really working on yet but exploring um a couple of different bar bag and frame bag options top tube yeah. bag options don't really need to get into what i'm looking at i've actually got uh, a couple of lead outs newest bags they their wrist light bags and a mm. couple of brooks bags quite liking the, the the lead out offerings there haven't really tried the, the brooks all that much yet but i don't know if it's me or if it's bags and top tube bags and that, but they just seem incompatible with my knees, regardless of how good, bad or indifferent the, the bag is. Uh, or maybe I'm just not tolerant enough of knee rub.
0: Yeah, you're not alone, I don't run top tube bags for that reason. Anytime I stand out of the saddle, um mm. my my knees rubs them and I cannot get used to it no matter how how often I've tried. Um it the only way I get used to it is by changing my ped- the way I ride out of the saddle and I'm I'm un- not willing to do it. So yeah i i run bar bags for that for that reason and yes not a zero and not as convenient for getting snacks but i'm also not racing so it's not such an issue but yeah i i don't understand the fascination with top tube bags and i i know this is a conversation i've had with kaylee before and he's he's quite fine if frames didn't have mounts on the top tube uh for this reason so
1: yeah i think mm. uh you're not alone well it's uh both good and not so good to know that
0: All right, let's move on to our pick one. Uh, obviously, James isn't here. So I did reach out to James and I, I got his. Uh, it was like pulling teeth. He wasn't willing to pick one on this topic. But uh, yeah, so pick one. We're picking uh, a random segment. And well, not so random because we picked it. But uh, we're picking one product from the segment. And this segment, uh, I want to I wanna choose uh, sunglasses slash eyewear for this category. So James is... Uh, He did struggle with this. Uh, He said he's changing eyewear all the time, but uh, he said probably Smith Optics Ruckus for mountain bike and the Roker Matador Air for road and gravel. So he says the Ruckus for generous coverage and low weight of a frameless design, but the added stiffness with the reinforcing beam up top so the fit isn't sloppy. Excellent range of trail-friendly tints too, uh, plus fantastic optics and outstanding lens durability. Uh, whereas the Matador Air for its very secure fit, excellent tints and the smart shape that keeps air from drying out my eyeballs and provides a huge field of view. Uh, but without being too massive, lots of nose pieces for a well-tuned fit. Eh, pretty reason, well-reasoned uh, choices. I'll be honest, I actually haven't used either of, the, of those models that James has suggested. So, uh, yeah, maybe I should add them to my list of things to try.
1: Yeah, I haven't either of those either can't really comment on those
0: yeah i don't i don't see a lot of roca around here in, in australia they do exist but yeah don't don't see a lot smith are pretty big locally but uh i've got no real excuse not to have used those but what's your go um
1: sir? i don't think i have a go-to i generally speaking Puck glasses tend to work quite mm. well for me um, i i like the illicit because they're they're sort of so light that you can almost forget you're you're wearing them I had them in like my favorite things from from last year okay. um and yeah quite like them i also like just how quickly and easily you can change the lens in them funnily i had mentioned how much i liked them at the time and james mentioned it. it just didn't work for him at all so perhaps i shouldn't try the ones that he's mentioned there uh if it works in the opposite direction <laughs> um but i i like the original of those i had the opportunity to try the illicit ti uh version of those uh which Ever so slightly improves the sort of fit and, and retention and and security there, so that to me seemed like a, a bonus. Although yeah, there I'm not sure it's worth the 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 extra price tag that comes along with those Ti version. I'm trying to remember the original POC glasses I had a few years back. Uh, I started wearing them again this year. Um, oh, the Aims they've worked pretty well for me in the past. Also, I have the 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 Propel the Arrow Puck option. I don't particularly like how they look on me actually, you know, arrow and that aside, I, I haven't even like dug into whether or not they are actually faster or not, but just actually the hold and the fit. And one of the big things for me with glasses is how it fits around my nose. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I've got a weird nose or not, but I always seem to get like a channel of air getting like accelerated through a tiny gap between the nose piece and, and my, and the glasses, which really leaves my eyes just like really streaming, like almost all the time. Um, so that's sort of I wonder a, if it's acid, your position yeah, on the bike could be, but I don't really think I can change it to, uh, no. I mean, I've just I'll, always, it, it could be an allergens thing also. I, I don't really know. Sure. I haven't really looked into it all that much. Um, mm. the, uh, I've, I've tried ski cons also, uh, or C-sikons, ski cons, uh, mm-hmm. every, all it. of the above. And, yeah. Mm, actually, the, I wore those on, on my ride today. I uh, can't remember the exact model name, but, but they also worked for my base. I think if I, if you had to really push me, really, really push me on this to pick one uh, winner from all those, it would either be the illicit or, and more likely, it would be the Oakley One Jacket 2.0s, the huge, uh, ridiculous, big, mm-hmm. bonkers looking things. For as awkward as I feel wearing them in non-cycling environments, they just, yeah. The you shouldn't wear them coverage, in non-cycling environments. No, but I mean, like you stop for a coffee or something like that, or you're sure. in traffic and the person in the vehicle next to you is looking at you like you're an astronaut or something, out Looking for his toolbox. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, those those work really well for me.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, I've I've I rode Oakleys while I was racing. I mean, that makes me sound like I was I was faster than I I was, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've ridden Oakleys for years, and I kind of keep coming back to them just because they the fit of them is just so so consistent for me um a lot of other glasses especially around the nose bridge i get discomfort or the nose bridge sits in my in my eyesight or or the temples aren't tight enough whereas i I tend to always find uh most oakley's i can i can be pretty comfortable with uh and then you add in their the lens quality and that's sort of why i give my money to them uh so uh sutro light is the model i've found myself using most recently uh the most uh and yeah so i've got i i have them with both uh prism road and prism trail uh i've got two different pairs so i don't have to swap lenses but uh yes yeah, so i've got one pair that i use for mountain bike and one pair that i use for road and i guess compared to the 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 normal sutro the sutro light uh obviously doesn't have the the frame at the bottom of the vision. So it's a little bit clearer vision. Uh, it's a bit lighter and um, the temples have a, a gripper on them. So they hold my face a little bit tighter, which is good off-road. They don't bounce around as much. So uh, I use those, but they, they're still a little bit large for like trail mountain bike helmets I find. And they, they kind of knock on trail mountain bike helmets. So uh, yeah, in that case, I'm, I'm using like Radar EV, an older pair of Radar EV from from Oakley which I don't like the look of as much because they're, they're a bit more dated in their, in their aesthetic, but uh, they at least don't, uh, don't get in the way as much with, with some helmets. So
1: Give me the, uh, the radars any day over the Sutros uh, the or the encoders. Yeah. I, uh, I,
0: I, there was a local online store which I think might have had a, an error with how they were selling some Oakleys, and for $90 I, I bought a pair of encoders like prism encoders and I, I thought for sure they'll just like email me saying sorry there was an error on our website here's your refund but no they they actually strip them do not like them at all so not only do they look kooky they uh the nose bridge just sits way up in my vision so it's uh yeah i'm just not a fan
1: there's also the oakley cattles, which I, I don't know if it's the saying elsewhere but certainly here where i'm from if something is terrible you might say that that's cat and um, and the oakley cattles are pretty cat to me
0: you know what? I actually think it's not the encoder, It's the Caddo that I, I got. Oh. <laughs> it is the Caddo.
1: They are very similar, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they, they're quite similar. I think the Caddo has that more pronounced, like, bump mm-hmm. around the nose bridge.
1: But, yeah, they easily confused, as, uh, as I've just proven. <laughs> so. Have you uh, recently tried, like... I know I've got two sets of M frames from like 2004 here. Mm. Uh, and like once a year, I'll like, they'll, I'll pull them out of a drawer or something and find them and stick them on and go, Oh my God, how do we wear these? They're just like the lenses are so tiny. Mm. It's like every part of the frame is in your field of vision. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh
0: no, but like, yeah, I've got original radars still, which occasionally get pulled out. And yeah, that's definitely in the same way. It's, you know, the top, the top part of the frame is definitely in your vision. So, uh, and that was an improvement on the M frames for memory. So,
1: hmm. yeah. Yeah. So. I have the Lance M frames. Ah, uh, good. Good. <laughs> I good have uh, a, a plane pair also, but I have, a, I have the Lance ones somewhere here.
0: Only pull them out when you pull out your old Trek 4700 <laughs> US Postal Edition. 5500. Uh 5500. Yeah. Nice. Nice with your 10 speed Ultegra. Mm. Uh um, uh, okay. Quality. I don't
1: have this bike, people. <laughs> uh, okay there's still a lot of them floating around um i mean yeah i would like one but i don't have one though <laughs> but yeah i guess the the lesson here with eyewear
0: is given all of our different choices where we're we often tend to agree on some other products uh, i guess the lesson here is that it eyewear is pretty personal so mm. i think uh, it, it pays to if you can try on a few different models and figure out what's comfortable for you and what doesn't sit in your vision because turns out our faces are different shapes should we, should we wrap up with a PSA? Yeah. Go for it. We teased this one last week, uh, which was pedal related. And everyone's going to be really disappointed to hear what it actually is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, my, my PSA was just that your, your pedals need, need some attention. I mean, they're not, they're not something that can just be moved from bike to bike with ignoring them forever. Um, they have bearings in them and anything with bearings needs maintenance. So uh, yeah, my, my PSA is that one- Remove your pedals from the cranks once in a while and clean the threads, and then apply ideally an anti-seize, but also alternatively any grease will work. And yeah, just keep those threads lubed, and you know that way you you'll always be able to remove your pedals when you want them to, when you want them to come off the the cranks. Uh, the other one though is that uh if your pedal system allows you to, then you should be greasing your bearings. So speed play, old speed plays, for example, where you could remove the little tiny little Phillips uh screw on the end and use a grease gun to pump grease through it. Uh it's a very satisfying feeling and uh you should absolutely be doing that more than you probably are doing it. Probably four times a year, roughly, uh if you're if you're riding regularly. And uh for Shimano pedals it's it's a different process, but yeah, there's there's YouTube videos all around. But you basically uh take the axle unit out of the, the pedal body and all the bearings are contained in that axle unit and you uh clean it as best as you can and you can basically just pump grease into the pedal body and then when you screw the, the axle unit back in place it, it sort of flushes the old grease out through the uh, through the end of the axle so again pretty pretty satisfying to do and uh, really not that hard to do um, you know the the cheaper shimano pedals might require a, a special tool which costs all of two or three dollars and is a plastic tool or otherwise you just need a spanner so yeah, durace pedals can be a little bit trickier to do, but uh, models below that are, are certainly easier. And then, yeah, if you've got look pedals, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, and uh, you probably don't have very many options for servicing the the bearings. Uh, you can grease the axles, but yeah, I mean, they're, it's not going to be as effective as as some of those other pedal systems. So
1: the thought I had was just around the new Wahoo Speedplay pedals not being yeah. user serviceable, but yeah. you sort of touched on that. Mm-hmm. So they've they've made the can you get bearing kits for them? Uh, I don't know is the honest answer off top of my Yeah. Head. Okay. Uh, I, I don't believe that if I remember correctly when I reviewed those a couple of years ago, I don't know if that would really have been an option. Cause I know like look pedals in theory,
0: you can service them. Like it, everything is serviceable if you have enough skills and knowledge to do so, but officially they're not. So yeah i mean they they once they start to get play in the bearing system and the the pedal body is rocking on the axle then it's 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 effectively a disposable product officially at that point so uh yeah that's why another reason why the other week when we had our favorite pedals that we can mention uh yeah james and i gave a lot of love to shimano because they are serviceable and you can adjust the the tension on the bearings you can rebuild the bearings you can replace the bearings they as long as you keep them greased and don't let too much grit into that pedal body and uh ignore them they they'll last for a very very long time you know Ronan you you mentioned Asioma they they actually do offer rebuild kits as well at really good prices and it's it's not a super hard thing to do so yeah yeah very easy I've done that very quick and easy if you can look to pedal
1: systems that are serviceable and all rebuildable and spend your money there is it worth mentioning just when we're on the topic of PSAs and pedals mm. you know, let's extend out the cleats and just you know uh, uh, a. <laughs> gentle reminder I guess. check your cleats are in good condition um, yeah because yeah. you can actually you know you can do quite a lot of damage if your cleat breaks uh, mm-hmm. but you can also just if your cleat is like in bad condition generally you can start damaging the pedal body which gets a heck yeah. of a lot more expensive
0: so yeah cleats are definitely a, a wear item and uh yeah i think we had a
1: PSA on that not that long ago about what did we call it the rock mm, yes you know what we need is a is a PSA tracker spreadsheet mm. of some sort yes <laughs> Yes, so uh, but yeah, that's we definitely often, a good. We one. often repeat the same ones. So.
0: Yeah, some of them should be repeated though.
1: Hmm. You know, so they bear repeating.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Or or maybe we could just like create like a, a service tracker, and we just do PSAs to remind people that it's it's time to top up your tubeless sealant It was three months since we
1: last said this. We could make and we could make an app and have it not linked to any training software that could automatically update that app with uh automatic notifications for when service intervals are due it, it could be more time consuming to keep the app updated than the actual service jobs themselves but it could be fun
0: all right i feel like we're rambling should we uh <laughs> do you have another psa no 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 that's okay. that's it for this week all right well let's uh let's wrap it up uh i guess i've got some shameless self-promotion to do first i've got a tool newsletter now which is called threaded so if you have any inkling of interest in in uh, cycling tools or bicycle tools or maintenance or even uh, the process of repairing bikes, then I'd like to think this newsletter is just for you. The next one is publishing this week, so by the time you're hearing this, it should already be live. And then, yeah, we've been publishing them frequently every every fortnight. So yeah, jump onto escapecollective.com, find threaded. You can sign up to get it delivered into your inbox for free, uh, and then that way, yeah, you you know when it gets released. Um, so please do that and. Ronan, you've got a, a podcast that people should sign up for?
1: Yes, for Escape Collective members only. I have the performance process. There's a new episode of that dropping later this week, probably tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. And this week's episode is actually with Jeffrey Hoogland's coach, Mehdi Cardi, who has, yeah, we had an absolutely fascinating conversation with, with Mehdi that published this week. Uh, you can get a sample of it on our free podcast channel if you you want to hear the first about about a third of it or so uh, Hmm. and then the entire episode is available to members only uh when you are a member you'll get a link to access that podcast you click that once and from then on you get the full episodes dropped into your podcast app of choice yeah unless you're using spotify unless you're using spotify in which case um, they have stopped that
0: from being hmm. an option. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess, yes, it's the same story for, for the new Geek Warning as well. We now have members-only editions of Geek Warning, uh, with bonus episodes, which are coming every fortnight. Uh, so we've already launched one, which is an Ask a Mechanic. And yeah, again, it's it's the same process. If you're a member to receive performance process, you're a member to receive the Geek Warning bonus episodes. And yeah, that, that link that gets emailed to you takes you to a page that then has uh, yeah the option to Either get an everything feed so you can get all of our podcasts or you can pick just the ones you want to subscribe to. If for some reason you don't you're a member and you don't get that email, just jump onto our website, find the post related to uh that podcast episode, so performance process or the members only geek warning and and within that uh, within those articles you'll find a link to to get your special uh RSS feed link for um yeah, receiving these episodes. So, yeah, it's it. as Rowan said, it's, it's a, a couple of minutes to set it up initially, and then from there on, it'll auto-populate in your uh, podcast player of choice. Pretty easy. Uh, and on that, yeah, if you haven't already subscribed, I just explain why you should. So, please do. <laughs> and uh, not only that, your subscription uh, helps this podcast be a reality. It funds everything we do at Escape Collective. We are an independent media outlet. Uh, We don't have advertising at this time. So your membership money uh, directly goes into the creation of our content and us surviving as a company. Uh, And I'm going to say something which might upset existing members, but we don't currently have enough members to be sustainable long-term. So we really do need your support. So yeah, if if you can, please consider joining. We've got extra bonus episodes for you. We've got more special content coming uh and yeah i'd like to think that we're offering enough value to justify it now so uh on that note should we wrap it up
1: yeah i think if you've made it this far and and got through all of our self-promotion and you're not hearing us that's because we forgot to hit record at the start but um uh, hopefully that hasn't happened please don't tell me you forgot to hit record
0: (laughs) (laughs) no all right that's a wrap on geek warning for this week thank you and we'll see you next week